0: folks, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. And one of the areas of the country that I've spent a lot of time marinating in uh, is uh, the Bay Area um, in California. Um, In a time period uh, from way before I was ever birthed, um, specifically the late 60s and early 70s, when there was uh, such a merging of blues and soul and rock and jazz and so many of the older and elder statesmen of the blues uh lived um uh in the bay area and a lot of jazzers relocated from new york out to the bay area and then you had a bunch of young cocky white kids that you know essentially uh were trying to play like their heroes and because it was a very much an autodidact society and we didn't we weren't obsessed with videos or how people looked or how people played the instrument the focus was on sound and people like my next guest uh, because of those relentless listening sessions and just being on the bandstand with antiquated PA systems his 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 ears grew the mo- grew a lot and as a result he also developed his own individual sound and uh, juxtapose that to today, when people are petrified of playing in a bar of 500 people, they got in-ear monitors, they're behind the beat, and there's just basically a homogenization of sound. And I don't like to paint with a broad brush because I am a music journalist, but one reason I do continue my program is to make sure that younger cats will hear these interviews with my elders and long and search for that authenticity and sound Uh, And and individual expression. Robbie Dunbar, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show.
1: Jake Feinberg, this is such a pleasure, including finding out we're both from Long
0: Island. I mean, well, then we're automatically linked for (laughs) life, because there's just... You know, I I do want to talk to you about how greasy Long Island was. To me, you know, Buzzy Featon grew up out there. Uh, You know, you just paint the picture of... How greasy, because I'm telling you, when I, I mean, in 70, I was born in 78, and when I, in Stony Brook, it was basically farmland yep. at that time. Yep. So, so the, and, and eventually got built up, and, but, you know, there was, I just want you to talk about, you know, sort of getting into the grease in Long Island.
1: Well, I like getting into the Grease. <laughs> Frankie Valley singing Grease. Yes. Um, and uh, loving the Four Seasons, by the way.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: in-, in fact, we were crawling in our family's 1964 vehicle for Sandy Koufax night. Oh, yes. Oh, my University
0: God. Uh... About to move probably in that same
1: car in Oldsmobile for my grandfather with a tent trailer to Berkeley, California, after seeing the Rolling Stones at Carnegie Hall where the— NYPD had to stop the noon concert with Jay and the Americans and Bobby Goldsboro, but they didn't know what the hell else to do.
0: Wait a minute. And they they stopped, good. they stopped the, before the Stones Rolling even came Stones
1: up. show. Yeah. Oh yeah. The first Stones tour.
0: Before the Stones even got on the bandstand, they shut the show down?
1: No, no, no. They started.
0: Oh, they opened the show. <laughs> that's unreal, dude. Yeah.
1: I'm oh. wearing a gray sweatshirt here in Richmond and that's what Mick Jagger was wearing. I'm wearing a
0: gray, gray sweatshirt. sweatshirt too right now.
1: You know, it's like an anti-fashion fashion. fashion.
0: I dig, I dig. Being
1: the bad boys compared to the Beatles being the good kids, according to their manager, Andrew Lou Goldham, a little London brat who was like, (laughs) "Would would you let your sister go out? My sister, Mary Dunbar, was the Levittown, Long Island, president of the Rolling Stones fan club. And my West Virginia dad, John, and my Minnesota mom, Ruth, would not let her meet the Rolling Stones, and she's just slammed the door to her wonderful bedroom, <laughs> which was the bedroom where we listened to the WMCA good guys.
0: Oh, my. Come uh, on, on dude. On W.A.B.C. What the and, heck? And, of course, uh, the,
1: the uh, narcissistic uh, fifth Beatle, Murray the, Murray the K. Murray the K, that's right. Yeah. W.I.N.S. New York. So she was part of my early training in rock stuff. Plus these uh, little bouffanted girls with pointy little glasses and stuff like her that would have these parties and so dancing to all kinds of stuff and 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 for me my, the first I I apologize to everybody it was Pat Boone doing Speedy Gonzales but it then well it was, I mean what are you supposed to you were getting
0: cool. force fed that so they were whitewashing everything well I mean, yeah, yeah and
1: we were like a Ricky Nelson family not an Elvis family I did and my sister, you know and I love traveling man. Uh, with, uh, what's his name? Uh, James Burton. First time I <sighs> really knew about James Burton, the guitarist, the guitar solo and the tastefulness actually of the Ricky Nelson recordings are very high integrity stuff. But, uh, I be guess. that as it may be all of this as it may, that, uh, then my, my, my first cool 45 record, if anybody has ever heard of those was, uh, The Isley Brothers original version of uh, Twist and Shout later done by the Beatles, when John Lennon had no voice left at the end of their um, uh, Please Please Me first album. I totally recommend that. These were all the songs they do with George Martin, where they'd been on tour and they're just doing their tour stuff. But you look what happened. What we all recognize uh, these Liverpool working class kids called John Paul George and that kid from Dingle District, Ringo Starr. But... I'm just back to this Greece in Long Island. You know,
0: I, I, would This is the point. <laughs> first of all, how did your folks? wind? I mean, West Virginia, Minnesota. Then you're, you're basking in. I just well, correct me if I'm wrong. Levittown. Levittown was in Nassau County. Is that right? Yeah,
1: Nassau County. Yeah, and um, you know, what was weird was Abraham Levitt didn't allow people of color to live there, and Harry he is like, you know, he's. Didn't you just saw? Didn't your people just endure the Holocaust? (laughs) So
0: I don't want, uh, this is, you are waxing poetic right now, dude.
1: Right? Uh, And and so here I am. I'm this, like, interracial, you know, Norwegian-Scottish, uh, yeah, and, and we're talking about mixed race, by the way, on the radio on KQED uh, out of San Francisco and mixed people. Hello, people of mixed race. Thank Whatever you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Put your mix in the mix. It, dude,
0: it's I a gumbo, man. Is. Get it in the gumbo. Because,
1: right? That's why we're having this interview.
0: Absolutely, Dunbar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, that's, that so, so
0: there was a Blan- lot of, there Llandette was sort of like from, conflicting. Yeah. From, go, go ahead. On. No, no, I was just going to say, like like, there was a lot of sort of, uh, cognitive dissidents going on. I mean, in the sense that you had people that founded towns that came from, yeah. repre- you know, and then yeah. yet they, they there was still a lot of segregation. I would assume.
1: Well, and the word hypocrisy comes to that. Mind.
0: That's right. Yeah. And,
1: and my dad came from Marshall College in Huntington, West Virginia. His oldest friend was Fred Cody of Cody's Books. And then uh, John, my dad, and Fred ended up at Columbia on the G.I. Bill. Wow,
0: wow.
1: And my mom, Ruth, she had been uh, a pianist. uh, And both of them, my grandmother, uh, Mary Agner Dunbar in Huntington, raised as a widow, were actually in Richwood, West Virginia, way out in the boonie part of West Virginia. Five kids uh, were my grandpa, John Dunbar, John L. Dunbar Sr., was a uh scientific kind of guy in a very fundamentalist presbyterian community and he died of uh an electrocution at the mill oh dear the guy who had brought radio to that little town
0: i I want to be i want to stop you right there for a second when when you referenced the the secular or the non-secular part of it because was he not trusted within the church because he was a science cat
1: you know, I, I think that uh, he was kind of looked at that way, where yeah. you could tell he was more living in reality than right. living, like, you know, yes, Jesus loves me only.
0: But, dude, you came um, from a cosmic gumbo, dude. I mean, this is we wild.
1: Cosmic gumbo, because yeah. my dad really began to des- describe, self-describe as an atheist. Right. But he would bring me to Hayden Planetarium and bring home seashells from the Museum of Natural History in New York, and he he was working next to Margaret Mead, the anthropologist. And then, meanwhile, my mom had graduated St. Olaf College. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, we are St. Olaf. We sure are the hot stuff. Oh, Uh, man. She would back up these wannabe, uh, uh, what's his name, Lawrence Welk types. My hero, dude. Oh, my God. Come on. And then so she or she went to Western Reserve, Case Western Reserve, Cleveland. And then, as a LCSW, which she was, including when we moved to Berkeley, the most loving person after my dad's experience, he wrote a book called Escape Through the Pyrenees because he was a B 17 guy. Oh, my God. He he read Mein Kampf in West Virginia and signed up for flying lessons.
0: This is. Absolutely revel... Re- I'm we're having revelations oh, on a Sunday. This uh, just Revelation Sunday. What <laughs> do- a revelation I'm tell it. Well, I mean, did they, <laughs> I guess... So you revered your parents. Um, did they...
1: finally They were such good people. Here's Jonathan Richmond of the Modern Lovers... When I go to Berkeley, I like to go to the Dunbars' house. Ruth and John are really nice. <sighs> and then the Road Runner with, going faster miles an hour with the radio on when we did the Berserkly days in the mid seventies.
0: Oh my God! Don't Becher. even get me. We haven't. It, let's just uh, not so, jump so too far ahead. Right? Chronological, yeah.
1: partly. Yeah. Well,
0: no, th- we're all over the place. I guess my point. I, I'd love you to talk about the idea first of all. Um, you know, your sister was obsessed with music. She got you into. Hip music, but um, can you just talk- i mean robbie, you know like we're i'm you know we're living in a time where like my friends are the, the my friends are that are playing original instrumental music on the bandstand, they're road dogging it, and they're it's just grueling sitting so you're in a sprinter van, maybe yeah. you have a hotel maybe you have a bed at night. Um, and the only money you make is off the merchandise tables after the gig. So, but I just, I, at the time that you were coming of age and getting, getting into the grease was a musician seen as a viable profession.
1: Absolutely, and what's going on now is obscene.
0: I don't want to go into it right now. Pain. I want to go back then. That's fine. Your folks, I I, I, it's, it is, no, we're going to get into it because it, it's horrible. It
1: is. Torrible. And that any of you listening who are struggling with your music career, you can talk to me.
0: Good. Good. No, no, <laughs> yeah, here's, here's my point is that your parents. Together,
1: and the bottom line is yeah. do what you do no matter
0: what. How about that? No, no dude, again, revelation. I got goosebumps everywhere, but I just want to say your <laughs> folks, your folks. Yeah. Absolutely, because today, folk people are like, "Dude, why don't you get a second? Like, do something for a backup in case you need money." And yet, you're driven by music.
1: Then, you know, then all the stories we know are include where we had either one or both or none of the parents supporting what this person knows they need to do. Right. That's so. What, we're right. just lucky if we have it. You know, I'm also part of twelve step program for forty years. And I hear the horror stories about families and then I look at my two parents, hmm. like who's the lucky one around here?
0: Right. No, but so your folks never blinked an eye when they saw that you you, you the calling was music for you?
1: Not really, because my mom was my first piano teacher at a Steinway upright piano. Ah,
0: listen, banging it banging, banging that thing in the tune, said, man. I love says,
1: it. Jer- she says, That sounds really good. <laughs> That's my dear mom, Ruth. What a sweetie,
0: my oh, mom. Right. Ruth. So,
1: Caroline yeah. Vatlin Dunbar was a lovely person.
0: I so she was your pian. The point? Did you? Um, the other thing is that you know uh, there was no uh, young cat. I mean, I've I, I remember talking to Mike Clark, the great drummer from the Headhunters, and he was in a bar yeah. in Texas. With his dad playing uh, at nine years old, sitting on the bandstand. Were you in clubs? Oh yeah. I when were you? When me. were you first getting greasy in, in in the club scene? I love
1: that grease metaphor, because remember that
0: it's the the grease that keeps the wheel going. It, it's the grease, uh, man. You got to keep it greasy, I agree man. Agree
1: with
0: your grease. So, <laughs> um, now that we're in a greasement. Absolutely, we're in a greasement,
1: dude.
0: <laughs> Holy shit! Oh Tucker, my god, he, dude. Catharsis.
1: Um, the thing, the thing about my age, thing with oh instruments was, I have an overeaters anonymous uh, since uh, on Zoom OASF, and I have this incredible sponsor there, and she said write about write about the, it, it, you as a musician autobiography, including your relationship to like you know the good humor man and mm. the, here in the, the 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 ice cream truck come um, and your relationship with sugar, but. <laughs> All I knew was that um, I picked up a trumpet when I wrote this whole thing. It's called an inventory in 12-step program. But mine was playing the trumpet 1960 to now. And I've always thought in the right hand three valves of trumpet, I won awards for competitions in Long Island, Nassau County, naturally, with a little tie.
0: Um, are you kidding me, dude? And then
1: doing it in Berkeley. But by the time I got to Berkeley, guess who had arrived February 9th of 1964? And guess who I saw at uh, Carnegie Hall? I saw it was the Beatles and the Stones. And then I heard Bob Dylan from my sister.
0: You were, we're, I mean, is it fair to say that you,
1: right. My sister moves from being that, you know, we're here in Long Island and now, you know, to go into the chapel and, you know, all the girls were singing that one. And then I'm out here and she's in her room with uh, checking out Eric Clapton and, uh, you know, doing all your loving with uh, John Mayle. And, uh, you know, the whole evolution of seeing the Yardbirds with Jeff Beck as lead guitar and Jimmy Page's rhythm guitar in the Yardbirds. At, and a Sunday afternoon with the Yardbirds at the Fillmore, you know, produced by Bill Graham. Uh, dude, you this are, but... is not Levittown anymore.
0: <laughs> well, first of all, you come from the same line of, uh, I mean, I'm just going to riff through these cats. Haggerty, Greg Douglas, <laughs> B- Bruce Conti. I know he's a Fresno transplant. Yeah, Robbie, nice. I mean, were you channeling, like, Ornette with the plastic trumpet in 61, Birth of the Cool kind of stuff, before the Beatles came on the scene?
1: I am so drawn, and I was just watching how, you know, Miles Davis and who he was. I'm I'm doing because Mike Wolf. Yeah. Oh,
0: my God, Leonard, my hero, like, dude. Mike, record. are you kidding we
1: are me? Stage band together. We're going to record
0: in July. We're oh, gonna this is beautiful.
1: Lenny Pickett,
0: oh, kid, get out of here, dude. dude. Uh, John Otis. John, uh, dude, these are my hero- all heroes. Dunbar, and Cl- I mean, this is un, this is revelation.
1: This is the Berkeley High Sco- School stage band, class
0: of seventy. Dude, were Peter Applebaum? Applebaum was in that group.
1: I know of Peter from later?
0: Okay, yeah, la- dude. 19- Nineteen, se- dude, because you guys are wearing dashikis, dude. This is on. Un- Wolf was wearing Dashiki's going on these big band comp— You must have been well, on this comp. I
1: mentioned the bass player of Grateful Dead, Phil Lesh, went to Berkeley High and has, I don't know if he's still doing it or if he's too old now, is always fundraisers for the Berkeley High Jazz Band. And my friend Steve Wasserman, who's a publisher of Heyday Books, yes. has published uh, the Linda Ronstadt, uh, some books of hers. <clears throat> and Steve and I, who went to see the Yardbirds, and my oldest, dearest friend, um, you know, he's just saying, whoever, if I can help tell the story of this East Bay loyalty undertold where grown up with, you know, early earthquake at a club called what was the Babylon at Dwight Way in San Pablo in Berkeley. Oh, my. Trump wait, wait, dude,
0: you are blowing. blowing oh, my God. The Long
1: Branch. And then early shows with Tower. Wait,
0: so hold on. I just want to – wait. The, the, the Babylon became the Long Branch.
1: Yeah. When we knocked the walls down, it was like further down the street. It's a whole bunch of like structures and buildings that then became called the Long Branch. And that was our club. It was like the Young People's Club. The other one was the Keystone, Berkeley, Palo Alto, and the Stone in San Francisco, Freddie Herrera, Bobby Corona, all of them. Earthquake recorded our first live album called Rock in the World, which I highly recommend if you're trying to, you know, get a buzz without coffee. Just put it on <laughs> Rock in the World by Earthquake, live, <laughs> and it starts with Route 66, and it never lets up. And it includes a lot of good Earthquake songs on it.
0: Well, this is I'm just veering into the, the sort of uh, I don't want to say technical side, but did you focus on your rhythm? chops before you started to really improvise to me a lot of cats today because of we're saturated with visual material and we went through that whole guitar hero period way back when um people want to start blowing their brains out and and basically they have no foundation so they're just sort of
1: where's their sense of uh, whatever, for me, for instance, the word melody comes, uh-huh. can you can you imitate a good melody? Like, can you, can you make come alive the same melody? That's that exactly right. From somebody else. If you can't, keep working on it.
0: How did you if develop... Can, I want you to just... On yeah,
1: to like all kinds of things you can do harmonically to like combine to do that. And then you're, you know, I was just finding out about... Oscar Peterson playing with Herb Ellis on the guitar. And and Herb would go to every black hotel with the guys rather than, you know, it was their form of saying, fuck segregation.
0: Dude, I want to just be very clear. If you've never heard this, this is also a lost art, but I would just say, um, I remember interviewing Steve Gadd a few years ago and he was talking about what he was listening to yeah. and it was this drummerless quartet, quartet. Ray, wow. Ray Brown... Stan Getz, Oscar, oh. and and Herb Ellis, dude. So that means. Okay. But you know what I want you to talk about? This is really important. I, uh, okay. this idea, like uh, <clears throat> uh, Blue Lou Marini, the great sax player, was was watching. Um, oh. He was watching the Kennedy Center of honors for Herbie Hancock. He was actually on stage, yeah. and yeah. and when he watched Dijonet play. Uh, Jack was not concerned about keeping time for other people. He wanted to paint and he expected, he expected the other people to have their own time feel wow. so he could dance. And to me, even if you were playing rock music back in that time, every single, I don't care what, be- what kind of genre of music it was. Everybody was responsible for their own inner time feel. And, I just wanted you to talk about like, how you really developed those rhythm chops. Because to me, once you get that... Tell you. Go ahead.
1: Um, purple earthquake. Right. So I, I was uh, in the eighth grade. Um, I had already saved all my lunch money and took a Greyhound between seventh and eighth grade from Oakland for 72 hours back to Grand Central to visit my friends in Levittown. We were already listening like mad to the Beatles. And oh the my youngers. God! And that was, dude, when they played Shea Stadium was in August of '65. Then I take the Greyhound back home, and who would ever let a kid do that? By the way, like, <laughs> dude, I
0: mean there was a, It was very yeah. innocent, dude. People were hitchhiking, yeah. man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. and and what was it that made me save my lunch money every day? <laughs> by the way, I've never I never missed a day of school from kindergarten to twelfth grade at Berkeley High.
0: Well, of course not. It would be, is. dude. Harold Mim- Mims was Harold Mims there, by the way. It. Yeah. What? Was Harold Mims there? No.
1: The the sure. the, the, the whispers. So
0: no, no, because because Morgan because when when I interviewed yeah. Margin, the, the 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 whispers rhythm section, Mims was the musical director for them. He'd bring those cats in. I'm trying to figure out where you fit into Fantastic. all
1: that. Fantastic. Yeah, I fit in with Bill Elliott as the.
0: Bill Elliott? Are you kidding me?
1: He was our guy, and he was my music theory. I ended up winning the Excellence in Youth Award for the City of Berkeley. Got to meet Duke Ellington. No,
0: our dude, just boy. stop, He's dude.
1: Why I mentioned in the Music is My Mistress book by Duke and oh that's the way God. Berkeley High School oh was and kind of is is we're right here next to the University of California. We're not out over in, you know, uh, 14th Avenue in San Leandro, you know, driving cars down the street. We're like this whole other cultural, this sponge. And then, so for me, it was just like, how good can you learn? How, how good can you be in terms of, for me, it was like, Uh, uh, being able to analyze Beethoven in in my eighth grade class. Another friend of mine is Mark Baum, who said, well, Roby always accrued more points in our system than all the other members of the class combined. Well, I wasn't trying to outdo anybody. I just (laughs) wasn't good at knowing what that was, man. So, you know, I'm grateful that I've been hopefully an asset to every band I've been in that way. I
0: just can't believe that you... That you just dropped Mark Baum's name. I, I got to read this. I have I to.
1: Dylan, you might know it because he's a dearest fellow.
0: Well, yeah, he was also in the legendary Salsa Day Berkeley band with Brother Otis and yeah. Martin. I want to, yeah. I want to read this to you, and then you can, you can riff on okay. your your own experience. Bob Barsotti, who you probably knew, um, played
1: with his brother Stevie.
0: So, I mean, the most beautiful. He's in Our interview, he said, I graduated from Berkeley High in '72. I was a little younger than a lot of the other folks. My brother Peter was seven years older. That's he, was, right. he was in college when I was in middle school. Berkeley decided to do these alternative schools at one point. And when I was in jun- a junior in high school, I was just about done with my high school requirements and I was going to graduate a year early. But the school opened up something called the School of the Arts, where all the students could have their classes <laughs> oriented around the arts, which is profound. I decided to stay for my senior year and never left the theater building they had radio broadcasting class costume making class, stagecraft acting lighting and for my English class I read Shakespeare it was a whole immersive kind of program and at that time there was a deal at the Berkeley Community Theatre that if you were a professional outfit coming in to rent it it was a union building so you had to have four to six stage union hands the school provided four to six student stage hands to work in conjunction with the union guys yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you talk about your own – to me, that's a lot more than, like, wanking it in the practice room. I'm, I'm kidding, but, like, it's no, that's a no, lot no, more no. than, like, just – As
1: you wank creatively. That's right. Wank – oh, oh my God, song, dude. We played for Duke Ellington called Summer Song – uh, oh. starting on a B-flat 13th chord.
0: You know, <laughs> dude, that is right the sick. from
1: Bill Elliott, and he'd yell at us, you guys are cooking with gas.
0: The- oh, dude. I mean, dude, uh, this <laughs> cooking with gas, man.
1: So um, we were immersed, as, as <sighs> Bob so aptly put it. It's so funny because his brother, Stevie Barsotti, was always with the band uh Haymarket Riot and then Lara, Lazarus that would play at oh the Provo Park. Oh, my street, God. Like those guys in the Purple Earthquake. <laughs> and I hate to say it, but somehow there was this older brother bickering that would start with Pete, and then Steve Stevie would try to defend the people's honor. And meanwhile, Steve Nelson, who later joined Earthquake from them as the drummer, and uh
0: nasty uh, drummer dude nasty
1: i handed over a guitar with greg kin because i stayed with earthquake but these guys i met them in 1965 but purple earthquake and being in berkeley high school that way and recording up in that archaic <laughs> recording lab up there in the community Theater building and the community theater is an amazing
0: dude. It's, it's so place. magical. We
1: have a whole man. hour about the community. No, we
0: will. It's on. We it's we so saw, magical. We
1: wish we'd gone to see. You know, all that stuff is great. Like I wish I'd gone to see Jimi Hendrix there, but I saw him a week after Monterey Pop at opening at Fillmore, and then Gobo Rosabo, and then <laughs> uh, Janis Joplin and Big Brother. <laughs> Uh, headlining that night in June of '67, and then The Who played at the Fillmore the same week because it was Monterey Pop Festival. But we would call we would call it class is in session. Mm-hmm. Quick, we'd all get into our founder, who we need to mention, John Sargent. Yes, Stay has Purple Audio. He worked at Leo's Audio later in Oakland. Dude, this is Leo, sick. Leo's music. Well, a lot of us kids rented all our stuff from Leo and those guys. And uh, but the thing back to the Berkeley High School immersion stuff, I'm just glad that I was just with Steve Barsotti doing a, a photo session at his house in Berkeley, uh, and the name of the band is Dapper Shindig, and and this band's my sort of distant third as far as how the Faves and Earthquake are now releasing uh, through our friend Dennis Tuning Code Two One Three Records. Dennis kind of stumbled into having a record company right now. He's been working on our behalf, including the phase, here comes the rain video, got to number one on New York Indie Alliance this last year. Wow. And here we are, I'm 70 now. I feel like I'm some kind of teenager, can't you guys tell?
0: Hey, you're still, still mean, at Shea Stadium, like, dude. It's unbelievable.
1: Pleasure. What?
0: You're still at Shea Stadium back in 65. It's unbelievable. I am, or I didn't get
1: to go there, but I got to camp out in Levittown. Right,
0: you camped out in Levittown Levittown with the.
1: And we would play Beatle. I remember distinctly before moving hearing Please Please Me coming out of a tent, probably being played on W I N S. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) You you officially moved uh, what year? 64. Oh, my
1: dear God. I would just call it the year of the Beatles.
0: Well, I'm curious about, you know, I interviewed, uh, that there was a pivotal Alice Stewart, uh, great folk singer. Um, she... yeah,
1: yeah, and I love, by the way, I didn't mention that Living in Levittown meant Broadway shows, and we loved uh, the the Weavers at Carnegie Hall and Pete Seeger, and we were like "Ban the Bomb" in '62, or you know, you got the, I dig. The, the Missile Crisis. I dig. Uh, you know, we were we were definitely of that cloth. But
0: you feel like those, even those folk outfits, or um, oh, yeah. that the, they they lent themselves to a foundational rhythm for Dunbar. Uh, um,
1: when you were asking about that thing about developing rhythm, yeah, like like like. Yeah, it's the rhythm, and then whatever way you're manifesting on a guitar, you can go down, up, down, up, down, up with your, you know, strumming hand, and do sixteenths easier than a piano, right? But or you do make your piano fingers go delegate the fingers because i teach piano and guitar i get paid to play with children by the way including <laughs> zoom and including Sick. the town behind us orinda california there's a school i see nine kids in a row on wednesdays i love teaching i'll always be teaching till i'm there dude i'm old.
0: obsessed with orinda dude i cannot believe you just dropped that name dude I, this is unbelievable when you <laughs> when you when when you, when you got out to uh Berkeley was, and you were in what grade at that point?
1: Seventh.
0: When I interviewed uh, my dear friend Mario Cipollina, John's brother, he said that... Right on, Mario. Oh, my God, dude. uh, He said that the actual Summer of Love was 66. Everyone thinks it's... Okay, I want you to talk about that year specifically as it relates to your... Uh, not just musical development, but evolution and and sort of uh, expanding consciousness.
1: Well, it was like the best and worst of times was being. listen to you, dude. I know. I feel this like Steinbeck, dude. Charles Dickens Dickens, and, thank you, anyway, thank you, yep, it was, thank you It was a going to West Campus was completely isolated school we we're all starting to smoke pot in sixty six right and and yet at the same time, I was so grateful I had this band to be in to keep that sense of purpose to me because a lot of my Fellows were just feeling so lost down in that place. I got busted in the following uh, early sixty seven for pot smoking and running the wrong way with a friend of mine, and then so I was dealing with all those sort of you know how in a way we would hide our behavior from our parents. And I did at the same time. We just felt the love that was there and what it meant to all of us culturally for our parents as well, actually, and for me it was the being in uh 66 was uh the eighth grade which starting in 1965 uh being a 13 year old and something called named after the album by them with van morrison called our band was called the mystic eyes. And we played at an all-black talent show, which was What are this? Is we came
0: mind-blowing, dude. We
1: were doing uh, the Spire and the Fly by the Rolling Stones. I did the Keith Richards solo perfectly. <laughs> and then here's here's Horace Horatio Greenleaf contortionist wins the talent show. This is in November of 65 at the Oakland Auditorium. So it's like you know oh these, these little these little white boys here with like white chino pants, brown beetle boots, and red velour zip up shirts. And we didn't even have a bass player.
0: hanging with the brothers, dude.
1: And then I le- Yeah, and then I left in March of sixty six. I'd seen the purple earthquake play at a party in Berkeley, and then I was asked by the lead singer, a dead ringer, uh, Mick Jagger look alike, Michael Jones and so i played berkeley high school uh battle of the bands uh in the mystic eyes and then changed into my dad's world war ii aviator jacket and played with the purple earthquake and then purple earthquake won that battle of the bands and we went on to like the kfrc battle of the bands a year later um and we essentially won because the winning band had a 30 year old lead singer from richmond high school but it was the seeds and you're pushing too hard at the Civic Auditorium in San Francisco, <laughs> and we did "Nazar Blue" by uh, The Yardbirds, and we did uh, "All Your Love" and Eric uh, Clapton and the Bluesbreakers So we were into that kind of, you know, uh, loving the Beatles and the Stones. But you know,
0: well, I want This is I to stop. I want to ask you. This is important. Yeah. Y- you're elevating through these Battle of the Bands at the time. I, I mean, I like to think that at that time, people were. Geeked up and horny to hear original music, but would you have won those talent shows without playing it without if you didn't play covers?
1: Well, they were cool
0: covers, they were absolutely no, they're the hippest covers. But I, but yeah, the there was still like a yeah,
1: we did we wrote a song for the Berkeley High one where the Barstodi brothers were bickering, we <laughs> played, we played. and I find it very meandering and sort of kind of what's the word for that? It's Susie Q. Credence version of Susie. Oh, U. boy. It's like, it's like it feels too slow to me. And yeah. And we were doing, but we wrote this song where I played an electric 12 string and it sounds sort of like a Jefferson Airplane, Mamas and Papas song. And then we just outright won. There was no stopping that we just knew we were good. And then we, we come in, you know, this KFRC battle of bands and we win a Vox Super Beetle amplifier <laughs> and a Vox Continental <laughs> album. I mean, Oregon. This is and, so
0: uh, sick. Dude. You know
1: that that Vox Super Beetle. Uh, we ended up taking the speaker out of the chassis. My dad ended up hanging sweaters off it in his office. How
0: perfect is that? Wait, did he? So he 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 wound he was up as
1: a writer. He ended up at California College of Arts and Crafts. My mom had a guaranteed family, San Francisco family service uh, agency because her her boss moved from Mineola in old... Ah,
0: uh, here we go. Long Island again.
1: Yeah. And right on Gough Street across from St. Mary's is San Francisco and she was at her job exactly 20 years until August of 1984. So that was very interesting about my parents and my dad though, if anybody knows about the California College of the Arts, originally California College of Arts and Crafts.
0: I've I've you know, I I I just don't have the people have been dropping that name all the time. You know, there, I just want to I I ask you about... Uh, sure, bring it back. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, so many... Uh, I mean, the Beatles, as we've been talking about, were brilliant, but essentially skiffle players. I mean, they picked up their instruments and got better and better. Um, you know, Yorma was a folk musician. Garcia was a folk yeah. musician. Yeah. The, the real rock guitar players, in your mind... Jerry Miller, Chipolina, and Haggerty. Who were those guys? Where you were like, they're really rockers. Yeah. Who is? Am I right? Am I missing anybody uh, there?
1: Well, I, I, I took one of my very respectful LSD trips with a dear friend who I will re- remain nameless. Okay. Is, is at my house in, in early June of '67 was Sergeant Pepper. Uh, Donovan, right. Supermine album, and guess what? Moby Great.
0: There you go. So there's Jerry. There's Jerry, one, man.
1: One of the two Jerrys, but um, it's starting to sound like an ice cream. Ben and Jerry. <laughs> no. uh, so I just, I just uh, was always a Jeff Beck fan, and his passing recently, mm-hmm. somehow, I, I've been so happy. And then that towel the bass player looks like she's 12 years old and then live at Ronnie Scott's, you know, when you point out a speaker and say, that's the shit. And then you can say, that's the shit.
0: Right. All the way to now. And what, what
1: a right kind of spirituality. And just saying when Jeff accepted from Jimmy Page, the rock and roll hall of fame award, he said, you know, I've been a brat this whole time. Thanks for letting me be a brat. And then, you know, Mr. Auto Servicing or whatever was Jeff Beck. And Steve Nelson, who left the Barsotis band to join uh, Earthquake and go to L.A. and two albums with A&M Records, he would always show the newest. He said, hey, Rob, here's the newest Jeff Beck. And... You know, part of this story is going with all those rhythms and all that. Just having all the stuff around me, everything from R and B and Tower, the Power type stuff, Funk stuff, all over the place. the Family Stone? And then Graham Central we Station. LA <laughs>
0: yeah. That
1: that if anybody listens to the first Earthquake album, which is if you go Earthquake Berserkly YouTube, but then you look for the album simply called Earthquake. There's two albums on uh a m records and the, and the first ones all the songs we had learned at provo park and the long branch that we wrote all originals but then the other is the second album searching for a hit but there's one song that i wrote that is called see what my love can do and the instrumental part of that breakdown with the drums and then a did it that kind of stuff in it is in the movie The Getaway with Steve McQueen and Ollie McGraw, and it was Quincy Jones who submitted it to the Sam Peckinpah thing because his affiliation with Herb Albert and Jerry Moss. I
0: don't know, dude. I we need to spend an entire interview okay. on. Oh, on, on, on know, no, no, I two don't people want people. to go down to L.A. right now. No, I don't want to go because
1: I want I want to let you know that these influences were every friggin'.
0: The Barso the Bickering the I'm sorry, the the Bickering band, is that really what was the name of the band, dude? I need to know that it should have
1: been the name of it. <laughs> so wait, you it was Taymark and Riot and then it was Lazarus. And they're amazing in their way. And Absolutely. I have to say that um my respect and, and appreciation of Pete, but I just found ways in which whatever were unresolved things within himself that always seem to be stirring needless stuff up. And then, you know, If you're the sibling, you're going to defend. And it's sort of this thing. uh, Thanks God. We don't have that problem. We have our own set of problems. And no matter what band we're in, because we're with other human beings. Absolutely. Dude, it's just, it's time tested. Sometimes hell is other human beings. And sometimes heaven is other human beings. Listen to you. Like this is a pretty good interview, by the way.
0: We're cooking, baby. No, we got a bunch of... We got, we're going to have several, several sessions here, but I just... When you guys started to c- create and play original music... Yep. Um, I just remember David Nelson from The New Riders talking about when The Dead started to play, like, the, the promoters at the Fillmore would say, Well, Jerry, why don't you play this cover tune? You know, people love it. And he said, Eh, what's the point? And literally... They'd play one stretched out song at the end and Nelson said he'd be watching from behind the speaker stacks and people would be heading to the exits in droves. So there yeah. was this real sort of, what I love about all you cats is just like this. And part of it was Graham. Cause Graham was willing to put people on the, on bills that were playing original Absolutely. stuff. Okay. But I'm just saying that like, can you talk about as a band how you dealt and cultivated those original tunes that ultimately left yep. that only led to the first album because I have to believe that even playing that long branch circuit cats were heading for the doors when you were playing or started to play your
1: original stuff. No. Never. Nope. You don't want, you want to know why? Yeah. That's why we're having this interview.
0: That's right. Go and, ahead, baby.
1: Concise.
0: I, did, I love it, dude. Listen to you, dude. Radio friendly, dude.
1: This shit is grabbing me. Oh,
0: my God. That's,
1: that's what does it. Holy shit. We yeah, you nailed it, dude. Jesus. We, we had boys and girls. <laughs> we had young men and women, and they adored Earthquake because we brought that thing. Mm. It was a mixture of that who energy. And then there's... Oh, that sounds more like something out of Oakland. Mm-hmm. And we had R and B harmonies, and we worked our asses off. It's partly called work. It works if you work it. That's that's a twelve step, and it's so true in music that if you got something, you're still going to have to pan that gold. And you just, you know, this sounds like advice. It probably is. Oh, it's
0: dude, I, I'm sorry. You wait, hold on for a second. You you basically were very conscious conscious about Keeping yes. keeping tunes concise. Like does that mean under four minutes? What what No, we, yeah.
1: it was an attitude. You gotta hear this one, things you don't know about. I'm gonna check. hit me, dude. Hit me minutes long. It has this one riff do do da 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 but it's like a Hendrixy thing. And and then it's us doing a Provo Park sort of Berkeley social commentary. Uh. Uh, just about dusk when the sun's going down things come out baby you don't know about they'll be slashing your tires stealing your guitar make you feel uptight until you want to fight and they're that <laughs> we just and then these things with parallel fourths in them and i'm playing my right hand 16th as fast as i could do it i don't think i could do it as well now right it Is you know where i got that from I got from Billy Elliot and my friends.
0: God bless that, man. God damn it. Jesus. Mike Wolf, the Sheikis, high-stepping into town. This is unbelievable. Lenny and Steve Elson.
1: And whoever
0: was uh, Rodney you know, Franklin remember, in that? It was, was was Franklin, Franklin
1: in? Th- yeah, I mean this, um, this... Dennis Arnon was the trumpet player a year before. Oh my God! We made up a song called what, "What's it, Whatever's Right" because somebody yells at the the Florence Schwimley Little Theater in Berkeley there where we would play. It says, "What's the name of that song?" And he goes. Whatever's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how come up with that, like Count Basie, like Round Midnight, or
0: um, oh, I love this dude. I love how
1: titles come, and that's what we're all about. And that's what it really, when it's good, and you say, you just know it's good. Like Satchmo, you just know it's good.
0: Like you, Satchmo, you dude. Like Satchmo, dude. Making, Round Midnight, you know, Thelonious, dude. Thelonious, man.
1: Yeah,
0: Thelonious. Yeah, Thelonious. Now, this is blowing my mind. Did, were you? Curious enough, even though you weren't no you know, uh you weren't trying to be Wes or Kenny Burrell, but were you heading into North Beach to To some of those, the the Carol Dota sessions, the strippers, the the guys that play in 20-minute milestone jams?
1: uh, No, we were real mostly content right here at the Long Branch.
0: God, dude, you were content. You were marinating in that pocket, dude.
1: We were marinating there, man, and we had the greatest (laughs) audiences. You know, later you had people like the Meters coming from New Orleans and um, and the Maytals from uh, Jamaica. Absolutely. And uh, Patty Smith from New York. And then, like, how the stage... Psychologically, was just a little step up compared to the, as the Keystone. You go up these tall things, and you're way above your audience there. But yet, it was a great venue. That's
0: the dude, I'm loving. The, I did, You know the and, place that's you like know, that
1: psychologically, and then that fucking pole at the Keystone. So John Ducas would like wrap himself around it, or we would <laughs> get, get a of whiskey, and then we play our version of "Kicks Just Keep Getting Harder to Find" by Paul Revere in the Radio.
0: Oh my! Are you what? Is, did, hold on. There that's was a John- big. There was a, you have to be you... and the biggest
1: song of all. You got to know that one night, and I will tell everybody, yes, it was Mescaline, the one and only time, mm-hmm. and it was so comfortable. And it went train ride, my life is like a train ride. I love to ride it with you. It was on the first, the m album was a sketch, the full blown one on the berserkly earth, uh, leveled album with Gary Phillips who had played with John Cipollina and Copperhead, and we played at Pauly Ballroom at Cal Berkeley, and he switched over. So in January of 1974, uh, um, uh, we, we, he joined, and then we were with uh, Stoneground with Annie Sampson, Tim Barnes, Joe Baker. Dude,
0: I cannot believe I, you just Steve. dropped. Dude, Tim Barnes, God bless that, dude. I, can, I know, I mean, uh...
1: we always called him Blowfish.
0: Dude, he was... Uh, wait, hold on. Uh, uh, you meant Gary Duncan or Gary Phillips?
1: Gary Felipe, who became B- Gary Phillips, wow. who later produced my brother Tommy Dunbar with John Rubin. The Rubin News, I think, we're alone now, and they zipped right past us to Dick Clark and American Bandstand. And that's Gary Phillips producing Holy cow. the sounds on that. and And I think he was just a tormented guy, so creative, though, and very generous... Uh, No matter what was Gary Phillips being filling out earthquake we got some great pictures, including playing at the Columbus Photographic Fair. You want to talk about coming over to the city and playing all these uh, Sound of the City concerts where we were and We have, like, Link Ray playing, uh, or us later opening for Aerosmith and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Earthquake was just—and then we went and recorded at the, the Who's studio in early 78. We went over to England and uh, drove around the continent then. But, you know, the cocaine use and the alcohol— yeah
0: absolutely and
1: tearing it down uh Jake while we were building it up and i finally just started, i don't know i ended up with a dui and then acceptance to cal berkeley music department for nine semesters and also cal state hayward's fantastic music uh, department at cal state hayward
0: let me ask you uh did abe kashvako take a liking to you guys did you get some early regional radio play who Abe uh, Vaco uh, Sa- uh Abe Kesh was a great DJ in S- San Francisco. He put out a an album with like uh you know Clifford Coulter and Tower well, of Pe-
1: I don't know, but I know our version of Friday on my mind which is the best version. Yes. Everybody listen to that one. Totally, we were in the air in that probably the summer of seventy-five or so with Bonnie Simmons. Uh, was his, his name? I'm uh, uh, forgetting his name. Was the tall guy? Uh, was uh, it K S A N?
0: Yeah, I was guy. just going to say that. K- yeah. 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 yeah, who was? Do you, so? Do you remember distinctly the? So you, it's fair to say that some of your momentum stemmed from regional radio play.
1: I I absolutely do know that that was the case. And we were kind of known for a song called The Tickler, which was about a girl, not a sex device. <laughs> well, although, may, yeah, I
0: mean, maybe it could have been both. Yeah,
1: I think I think it was involved. If you know, what sure, I
0: mean, absolutely, I absolutely.
1: Okay, <laughs> and, and, and how the Gavin Report's wife said that's obscene, and suddenly a song that's becoming a hit on the first earthquake album, which sounds kind of like a Crossroads Robert Johnson riff.
0: Gee, I gotta check it <laughs> that, out. Oh, man.
1: Man. I see the tickler each night. It's a great song. People love the song. So we've had a very interesting sort of endearment with our audience. And I think that there was this going for whatever that thing that makes it just what makes us enjoy rock music, what makes us enjoy good music. And that's what I heard from people who don't like categorization. Like Uh, I was just watching about Miles Davis. Dude,
0: exactly. Throw away the labels, dude, throw the labels away.
1: Right. Now he was his own worst enemy, partly too, but, but, God, I mean, I'm just glad his dad made him detox on this farm in, uh, you know, Illinois there, like that we got to have Miles Davis or we got to have Jimi Hendrix as long as we had him or we got to have anybody. You know, I got to meet Keith Moon, but he was his own worst enemy. Yep. So we got to watch out. We're not
0: our own. Well, no, that would, Brother Dunbar, that's the thing is that when you're dealing with sort of intergalactic cats like yourself, uh, you know, I mean, (laughs) myself included, it's hard to get out of our own way sometimes. So it's that's the the biggest yeah. challenge with these guys. I also think Duke, I mean Duke Ellington, Mingus called his music Mingus music. Duke Ellington said it's all music. Uh, I, I would have loved if Duke had shown up at a Jimi Hendrix concert. But to me, like you guys, fell into this po- <laughs> <coughs> this pocket of time where it wasn't just this obsession obsession with with categorizing and labeling the bean counters had were just beginning to sink yep. their teeth into stuff whereas in 69 i remember doing a couple of interviews with john densmore and he just was talking about electro yeah. records was yeah. basically a boutique you know holtzman jack holtzman and <laughs> those guys were like the with the doors the the executives were like well listen we don't know what kind of music this is but we're making some dough so let's just leave the creative control to the cats and that's, that's why right. you know and that and that was that's really it yeah, works. that's right and that was f- getting more and more fleeting by the late 70s which i you know and then you correlate that with a lot of the hard drugs as well and it was a recipe for just well it was the grease was fading away and people were fucking being roadkill on the side of the road you know
1: no That our own story and my decision to leave Earthquake and Berserkly, the hardest decision my entire life was that.
0: Can you talk about, can you just talk, talk about how you came to, because ultimately you're here today because you made that decision.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it was like, I just know we're staying up partying. You know, gig after gig, week after week. Where's this all leading? I'm I, I'm just starting to despair of what to do here, and I did mm. that. Mm. And could I have stayed in earthquake and also found twelve step recovery for alcohol drug? Mostly it was the cocaine. You know, being a cocaine achiever. You know, today it's Pete's coffee. You know, so dude,
0: that's it, the, be- the best. The best. I mean, that's not, the that's best freaking the place, place ever, dude.
1: Worst too bad. And and anybody listening. You know, be a friend with your friends, call your friends, you know, schedule your life with the people you know that are a good reality check for yourself. You know,
0: I, I really uh, dig that. I'm really job. digging yeah. that, man. Yeah, you know, good friends tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear.
1: Right, right, Jake. So, I mean, and, and you and
0: I have never spoken before, by the way, folks. Never. This is a
1: good guy. This guy is a gem and a jewel. So. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Let's keep this guy healthy. Just
0: riffing <laughs> off the cuff, man. But I'm I, i, I I'm
1: still on that question here is around it mm. that, that – um. You know how you make a, a decision that part of you is totally arguing with Absolute, you, like you? Absolutely, absolutely. I tried to rejoin them, and to his credit, John Ducas, the lead singer, what an incredible talent, and his own worst enemy, who died in... South Africa in 2011. He married a wonderful uh, model, agency gal, uh, Fashion Storm, Sarah Chambers, and her da- daughter, Noel, was born at Bates Hospital, Berkeley. She's a model. And then he met a second wife um, who uh, is uh, in uh, uh, Cape Town, hmm. South Africa. And he has a son from that. And then I think it was just whatever... Including maybe alcohol because it was liver related, and we lost him. I always said that guy should be around here now causing trouble. Like he, he went to the Condor or one of those places, and he yells out with Joel Selvin, journalist, says,
0: Oh, he, my hero. Dude, they're I could do you with the Condor, dude. The Condor. The
1: strippers, you know, I'm. Yeah. I'm such a, a uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm so whatever the word is for that, that I didn't go.
0: <laughs> I'm not into that but stuff either, but no, so I, I just, I would have gone go at the end. So, so he,
1: part of the article is a great obituary by uh, Joel Selvin about John Dukas and the history of earthquake, by the way. Is he says, I love you. My name is Joel Selvin.
0: <laughs> you're telling me so, that, you, but I think the point is that Dukas, people, yeah. people loved him, but maybe he, they told they he didn't hear what he needed to hear in order to
1: be. Well, how about Eddie, yeah. honey? Right. Eddie did to himself. It's called look at ourselves. Is there, are are there forms of self harm? What forms of self harm am I doing? Right. It, 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 am I am I exercising or you know getting enough rest or am I eating healthfully? What am I doing?
0: You know. I just, I want to put a button on this. We just burned through 55 minutes. Uh, I know, man. Let's just do, let's just pick up set two next week. I I mean, we'll try to figure out a good time to do it, but like.
1: I'd
0: be happy to. Yeah, man, we'll just keep this train going because to me. Sundays
1: are good too, Jake.
0: Sundays are, okay, so let's just, uh, let's, we'll shoot some text. I'm just glad that we put this together because it was a mat. It was
1: sort of same bat time,
0: bat station, Batman. Batman, dude. Thank you, no, no, quit, no, thank no, you, no, Brother no, no. Dunbar. I really it was an honor I'm so glad we cooked baby it was we had a ball oh, and, and and um tell you what um get don't give it over the air here, but uh yeah.
1: text me over, and I'll send you some of the new. There's three new earthquake songs with Jesse Bradman from originally Rock Justice and other things. friend of Mike Varney on vocals wow. and then Jeff Tamiller, who ended oh, up oh
0: my I, Tammy and I had a oh, great yeah, great ben cat.
1: Tower. We, we all love each other, and, and, and we're all part of this community at our age doing this shit, man.
0: You tell Tamalier I fucking love him, man. All right? I will. All right? Yo, Dunbar, let's stay in touch. I love you, brother. Be good, man.
1: You too, man. It was so great to talk. So just remind me and say, can we do whatever today is the 19th? Yeah, we'll look at the twenty-six. Okay,
0: Twenty sixth. You know what? I think that. The, uh, yeah, I, you know. what? Let, let's just do a week from today, but we'll 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 hammer it out.
1: That'll be great.
0: Barsotti brothers for life, baby. And and you, demand in your realm. Dude, I'm just a blind monk stumbling into grace, dude. Long Island cat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, right be cool, babe. Now,
1: I don't know how it's going to fit in the song—is either the title or one of the lines, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do it, baby. All right, man. Be cool. Hey, man. In Long
1: Island forever.
0: Forever, Robbie. <laughs> be cool, man. Jake. Peace. Have a great day, man. You too, man. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.